If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time. My name is Luke Condor VK, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, a Mr. Uh, it's Mr. Ben Errington, again. Sorry, I had a little sneeze, sneezy cough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's it going, man? You all right? Nice hat. Thank you. I'm all right. Oh, this, is, this is my friend's brand. I won't read it out. Okay. Don't want to be an advert. We'll have to get some revenue for him. But yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Like, yeah, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> my friend the hat. Ben the hat. How are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, good. Can, I, can uh... we can we can we briefly before we start, can we briefly talk about a photo of you which has surfaced what? on oh, right, social yeah. media over the over the last couple of days, which is you seventeen years ago playing yeah. guitar. Yeah, it would have been about would have been about fourteen. 14 years old. Do you yeah. know what you were playing at this particular moment? It would have been either Smells Like Teen Spirit, because I haven't been playing for long. So either Smells Like Teen Spirit, The Rock Show, or maybe yep. a bit of Enter Sandman. It was, you know, those early kind of riffs where, where everyone <laughs> plays at the time. But it was like the first so, time playing with bass, and it was like, whoa. When whoa, you, man. The, the first time you hear when you're playing it like as part of a group, it is an amazing feeling. Your uh, your face in that picture is is pure joy. I'm the one on and the left. And then you've also you're the one on the left, yeah. And you've also done a follow up picture of you and you and your friend, and you both look like yeah. That was last night as well, and you both look like the same. Like you've evolved into the same person. I hat, think my head's hat, a lot wise. bigger. Yeah, we have. Yeah, because a hat. His he, hat. Uh, Dita looks exactly the same, pretty much, just taller. Oh, how did you feel when you realised it was 17 years ago? Hmm. It's weird that because that was like the start of my adulthood in in a way, like the start of like branching into different culture other than, you know, like getting to music and metal music and like branching out from the norm, I guess. Um, 
and that's so long ago now 17 years ago there's no now kidding myself i'm an adult <laughs> you've branched so far <laughs> out from the norm now that you've almost gone too far yeah I've gone get too far. back Clo- get, to get come a bit back closer to the norm yeah i miss norm um but... <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy <laughs> yeah what about you what were you doing 17 years ago oh 17 years ago i guess i might have been doing something similar possibly were you in school when you were doing that yeah you, were you in the same room <laughs> i was in the same room i was behind the curtain you, you the see me? <laughs> yeah um i was probably around about that time venturing into guitar a little bit um learning some riffs i had a few books with uh classic riffs in it um oh, yeah. i never did smells like teen spirit i think i did lithium remember that nirvana song yeah i think i was learning that song yeah is that that one that's yeah, the one i think yeah, yeah. um and I really, really wish that I stuck at it because I'm probably as good at guitar now as I was then. I stuck didn't a, stick at it. I stuck a guitar. Sticky guitar, though. <laughs> it was sticky, yeah. It was sticky. Well, it's a nice little reminisce. Yeah, man. So, wait, wait. Years. So, when did you start singing? Because you were a singing man rather than a playing man. Yeah, um, a little bit after that, I think. So, I was trying to play guitar and sing at the same time for a while. And then when like an opportunity to be in a band came about, they didn't need a guitarist. They only needed a singer. So I was a bit like, okay, I'll try and do that instead of playing guitar. And uh, yeah, that was it, really. That was it. I realized that that was a lot easier than playing guitar. Because I think I was at that point playing... Lugging the stuff around. Amping stuff. Yeah. I think I was at the point where I was like, yeah, um, guitar, I could could play, but not well enough to like really play live unless I was really like concentrating like this face. (laughs) Doing that really... Concentrating face. Sat so, yeah. down. Not alone to really... play standing up yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still sat down on stage. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy in it, like, like local music nights, who had his foot on the monitor the entire time because he couldn't play with it on a strap. So he had to have it sort of on his knee. And he did that for yeah. years. That's mental. Yeah. Yeah, I played, in the, I played in a band with a guy who sat down on stage and he said it was because his lead was a little bit loose going into like the <laughs> effects pedal. And he was worried it was going to come out. So he just sat down like in front of his. Yeah. yeah, that was awful. That was the worst. I remember uh, um, uh, every like guitarist nightmare is a string snapping. And it snapped like on the first song. And then you have to sort of run off stage. Oh, yeah. Change string whilst the song's playing. And then jump back on at the end and try and sort of get back in. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's bad. It snaps. Goes right in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So speaking of nostalgia um uh, did you see this link uh that someone posted oh no i, I posted some some crazy chat posted in <laughs> some guy <laughs> it was me um 90s horror tales uh hang on a sec this, oh yeah demon knight undeniable genre classic from the 90s um bloody disgusting has said that demon knight have you, you seen this one i don't know if i have actually now you said it demon I... knight as in like the tales dark knight no tell the script <laughs> Um, Demon Knight, it's got Billy Zane in it and Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. William Sandler, I think. William Sandler. Uh, okay. Sandler. Yeah. Um, William Sandler. It's, um, so when we, when we did that episode ages ago, it was like 10 things that sort of made us into horror fans or whatever. It was one of the films that really gave me some kinder trauma. I remember watching it, okay. um, from behind the sofa, pretending not to watch it as my dad was watching it and freaking the fuck out in my mind. <laughs> the sound so is this, was, this yeah. a film? Yeah. It's not yeah. like a. They did two films, I think. This one um, and another one. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Bordello of Blood, I think, maybe. Um, but I remember like thinking that this was a 
really effective horror film. I mean, I'm sure it's quite cheesy and stuff now. Even looking at pictures, yeah. I'm like, whew, that looks cheesy. Epic <laughs> but, cheese. Yeah, but I, I want to watch it again. And it's, I think it's um, streaming now. I think, um, oh, I can't remember who said, um, I think it was Peter, Peter Janville, Glanville from so the Facebook so- group. So now I'm looking at some screenshots from it. Jada Pinkett Smith with a bleach blonde crew cut. Yeah. I kind of, I, that, that feels familiar to me. And even yeah. Billy Zane. That was a scary part. Yeah. That was a scary part when she got her hair dead. <laughs> oh, bleach blonde crew cut. Oh, that's not going to pull that off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Billy Zane, I remember being great in it. But um, we should do it on the show, man. It's, uh, I'd, be, I'd be interested to watch it again myself. But this might be, you know, we watched the Unnamable. And you were like, yeah. oh, I was so scared me as a kid. So it might be a similar situation. I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, someone said it was on the TV this Wednesday. So it might be on the TV tomorrow right. on yeah. the Horror Channel. Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Wow. Um, um, is that Was it the first one? Was it the first Tales from the Crypt movie? Or was there yeah. one before yeah. that? It well, was. I think okay. so. Um, I haven't really listened to it, to be honest. I'm kind of scared about going back to it and looking too much into it because it could be kind of pants, but... In my childhood nostalgic brain, yeah, pre fourteen, which is a lovely, lovely place to be. Yeah, I had to move back there. Uh, but <laughs> yes, nineteen ninety five. This came out. Um, yeah. It's on the on. I'm looking on Letterbox. Not the same as IMDb, obviously, but some got three point three. So it seems to be hitting the pretty average mm. thing. But yeah, this might be a good one nicely for a future average. episode. Yeah. Nicely average. Yeah. Uh, so you got any other news? That was my news. Demon Knight's good. Um, have I got any news? So I just, just popped up on bloodydisgusting.com just before I came on to the, record this lovely podcast. So apparently HBO Max, HBO I don't know who Lovecraft. that is, HBO Lovecraft <laughs> yeah. and R.L. Stein are developing an anthology series based on the Point Horror books. Do you remember those? No, not at all. Point Horror. No, they, 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 it was kind of like, it was kind of like the more adult version of, um, Goosebumps. So if if Goosebumps is like for kids or you know preteens or teens, this is for like this is for young adults, I guess. Fully preteens um, is everyone before they're a teenager. Baby, this is yeah. for babies. <laughs> this is for newborn babies only. <laughs> All right. So apparently, um, so we've had two Goosebumps movies. Apparently, R.L. Stein's Fear Street books are next being turned into a movie trilogy. Allegedly, that's the first I've heard of it. But now apparently yeah, we're going to get HBO anthology series based on this. So R.L. Stein is set to executive produce with John M. Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians. He's in talks to direct. I bet you're glad about that. Uh, who's John Chu? Like, he... <laughs> <laughs> he directed Crazy Rich yeah, Asians. Like... I thought you were oh, yeah. happy about that. Yeah. I've not seen that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, no, me neither. I've heard good things there. Um, yeah, so we got that. Which is pretty cool, I guess. Um, we've had a couple of trailers sort of over the last couple of days. One for um, Sonic Fantasy Island. Sonic, yeah, we've had Sonic, which is not as terrible. We probably can't talk about it on a horror podcast because it doesn't look half as horrific. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so apparently there's. Uh, I haven't watched either of these trailers because I'm trying to have a bit of a trailer detox, even though I find it difficult. So Blumhouse and Sony have developed Fantasy Island the sort of late 70s, early 80s TV series. And apparently now they've reimagined it as like a murder mystery horror film, um, which sounds quite interesting. It's got Michael Pena, you know, the oh, dude yeah. from Ant-Man and stuff. Yeah. Um, and a few other people. Um, and the poster looks pretty cool. And it's from, it says, from the producer, Get Out on Halloween, 
fancy island. We got a nice uh, bird's eye view of a, an island. Hashtag never coming home. And there's a Black Christmas trailer, right? Which I tried not to watch. Oh, Is man. that what you were going to oh. say? No, no, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, okay. Because I've seen the Black Christmas trailer. Two, I mean, it, it, it played before Doctor Sleep. Did you see yeah. it in the cinema? Yeah. So basically, it's the whole film. There is know, nothing. Yeah, it gives away. There's like, absolutely nothing. The to, where yeah. Killer is revealed. We're, we even sort of understand the killer's motive yeah. from the trailer. And it plays out almost start to finish. I think it's one of the worst trailers for that, for ruining mm. films, that I've seen in a long, long time. And it, it is actually officially made me not want to see it. So before... If I maybe saw the poster or knew there was a Black Christmas film, I probably would have gone to see it. Now I've seen that trailer twice. It looks a bit Riverdale as well. I think it's tapping into that Riverdale market. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't the one. I was going to say someone else, someone else, Blumhouse. Um, Blumenau. So So Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss is starring in um, a new take on the classic horror film, The Invisible Man. Um, So it's Universal and Blumhouse apparently. Um, So we've got a trailer for that as well. So it. Looks to be something. Lee Winnell, right? The guy who made. As, Correct. As, well, he made last but Upgrade was his. Sidious. Uh, upgrade, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, obviously, they've completely poo pooed the old Dark Universe shite now, haven't they? <laughs> Universal. Yeah. They've gone, look, we can't. Because I'm not sure who was, who was attached to play the Invisible Man. Was it Johnny Johnny Depp? Depp? Yeah. Yeah. Who was attached to play um, this one? <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Visible Dave. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so apparently this is coming out next February. Um, if you want to watch this trailer, do it. I'm probably gonna maybe avoid it. Um, I but skin, the tagline uh, scrub through like that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's good. So the, t- <laughs> the tagline: "What you can't see can hurt you." Oh yeah, if you're not looking the right way, anything. Yeah, exactly. You could walk into oncoming traffic looking the opposite way, and I mean it would flatten you. I can see that, and it's still them out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and one more thing. Um, Spyglass are, resurre- are res- <laughs> resurrecting Ghostface yeah. in the new Scream movie, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gary Barber's Spyglass Media Group is currently developing the next Scream based on the franchise created by Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all I we got. So, th- so they've got the right. It needs to be pretty smart. Like It needs to be quite meta uh, in today's sort of. So, some, uh, so Scream was like probably the most meta of yeah. films, especially slashers. We're going to have to really put a big old spin on that. I think we rated it quite highly watching it back again. Um, it still holds up really well, I think. Oh, what, the original? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So around about that time, I watched the trilogy and uh, Scream 1 is obviously great. Scream 2, I think it's got a lot going for it. Scream 3, I mean, it's mostly shite, but, you know, it's nice. <laughs> it's still nice. I think the best thing about that is Courtney Cox's fringe in Scream Three, which oh, is yeah, like yeah. three mill three millimeters long. She, I, when did I see this? So I think she she posted a video of herself cutting herself a fringe again, like recently. I think I saw this. Oh yeah, I don't know she's where that like, came from. yeah. I remember seeing it. Like, is is Courtney Cox pays homage to? Um, oh crap, Gail Weathers. That's that's yeah, a character's yeah. name, isn't it? Gail, Gail Weathers. That is a great name, isn't it? Yeah, that is good. How is she not Weather Lady? <laughs> yeah. Nominative determinism, that. Um, yep. What have you? Uh, what have you watched this week? I've not really watched that much. Just looking from the list here, uh, Living with Yourself. Did I talk about that last time? Uh, um, Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've seen that it's a thing, and I would like to see it. It's pretty good. It's not amazing. Uh, so the it's uh, not horror. I mean, it's got some. I mean, 
sci-fi vibes, I guess. Uh, so it's Paul Rudd. He goes to a, he's not a very happy man. He goes to a spa, and he passes out and wakes up. Spa, well, like a, a corner shop, <laughs> like a massage parlor. And he wakes up <laughs> okay. uh, under the ground. He's been buried, and he wakes up and he goes back to the um, uh, the place where he lives, his house they call it. And there's another him there, but like a better, happier version of him. The spa is cloning people and burying the. This is like the first five minutes, by the way. So this is the hook. I'm not spoiling anything. I don't think so. Um, but so the cloning people said there's two poor roads, um, and it's got Ashley Ashley B in it. You know. The, uh, oh the... yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. That was yeah. a bit random. I thought, but I do like her. I mean, I've not seen it. Yeah. Not seen her in much other than like panel shows. She's really good uh, in this. Uh, but the best thing is kind of the technology of the two poor roads. The way they interact with each other is like seamless. Like the way they fight and scrap with each other and stuff. There's bits. Uh, it wouldn't work. This show wouldn't work without Paul Rudd. He really sells it. Yeah. Like he's just. I've always liked Paul Rudd. I've had a, a man crush on Paul Rudd for years, and I'm not going to lie about it. He's just such a cool, nice, funny guy. He's a great guy. If yeah. he, he's the kind of person. If I see that he's in pretty much anything, it will yeah. kind of make me go, "Yeah, I probably will watch that." Well, that's why I watch this. But there's a bit where he's. To, he didn't believe the other clone is is a clone of him, so they're kind of testing each other and say like, "Who was my first girlfriend? Who was it?" And they're sort of doing this thing, and as the one of them tests the other to say, and it's it's interacting with each of it in like a like a real time in a really funny, uh, proper mm. normal way. I don't know how they managed it, um, but then they start they're trying to test each other, and neither of them can remember, so they're trying to reminisce with each other, and they're sort of getting closer and closer. To the point. <laughs> and it's just like a really good, well well choreographed scene. Um, but yeah, we finished it. It's pretty good. Um, Again, it's not as funny as I probably would have liked it to be, but poor Rudd does sell it, and it's nice to see Ashley and B doing doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that it? Well, other than that, I've been playing Death Stranding a lot. Oh, you have been playing Death Stranding. Yeah. Oh well, man, I'm, I'm not a kind of guy who normally spends like launch price money on a game, but I'm a big Hideo Kojima guy. Not against solid games. Like even if I didn't like this game. I still feel like I would want to support Hideo Kojima's yeah. like ongoing because yeah. this is his own company now and he's doing his own thing. Uh, so, if you're a Metal Gear Solid fan, then I think you can you can plot the trajectory. You can see how he got to, to this point. This game that he's made it's a weird game. It's like an indie game in the sense of um, it's an unusual mechanic. There's not like, much fighting and that kind of stuff. Um, but mm. it's but it's done with like triple A treatment, beautiful graphics, post apocalyptic world, Norman Reedus like uh, and Lay Sadu and like all these actors. But they they look it, the games have never really been able to capture like emotions on faces that well. But this like you should see the next skin on Norman Reedus like it's so <laughs> so good. <laughs> this next skin you're like bloody oh. Oh, look at that bloody next skin there. That's look real. at that next skin. Never seen it if you'd like it. See all the little bumps and grooves in that. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm only like a few hours in. It's a weird game. It's kind of got some horror elements. It's all about death and the bridge between life and death. I've watched a fair amount of, you know, reviews and yeah. gameplay bits and bobs, and I'm still not officially sold on the fact I want to spend full price on it. I mean, I definitely really do want to play it. Yeah. I just kind of feel like maybe I should wait a little bit. But mm. but now that you've got it, and I know a few other people who've got it and playing it as well, I might get tempted even more to to yeah. pick it up but you know i mean it's, sc- it's weird because it's kind of scared like, i'm scared of uh recommending it to p- 
people outright because it isn't a Metal Gear Solid game or like it's no. not well, um, I mean, the same thing. I'm a huge fan of Kojima as well, and you know I've played. I've always been Metal Gear is like probably my number two gaming franchise. So I've always kind of played almost well. I've always been into everything he's put out, even the massive, massive cutscenes in in every Metal Gear game. Yeah. And from this look, this does look strange. It looks like it's not easy, from what I can tell. But you know, challenging. Um, um we it's so. The main mechanic of the game is you're a delivery guy in a post-apocalyptic world um, that looks like Wales. Like you're, you yeah, yeah, take yeah. packages from like one end to another, um, and you sort of got to move around the terrain and you sort of manage your inventory and that kind of stuff. So it does kind of look a little bit boring on the face of it, but there is something quite amazing when you manage to make it to the other wherever you're going. It does feel like you've actually gotten through quite a an ordeal. How does um, it feel though when you've done that and then you need to do another mission, which is essentially take something else elsewhere? Well, it's still building at the minute, so like every there's always new mechanics mm. and stuff adding on uh, at the minute, so it never feels like I'm doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. Like, um, and there's like new bad guys. Well, like there's new you know threats and stuff, and yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm really, yeah. I'm really liking it. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably pick it up if not now, then you know, in the next few yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, nothing. And then, nada. What about you? So, I have watched. I've been watching. So, Watchmen. I think I'm on episode four now, and I'm pretty much loving it. It is such a great sort of extension of the universe in from the comic books, Um, and they've done some really interesting things with existing and new characters. And the Nine Inch Nail, well, the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross soundtrack is is amazing i've been i've been listening to that like almost as much as i've been watching the show um so i recommend that i've started watching castle rock as well so obviously the stephen king set set in um first season season, so i haven't seen any of it before so i've only i've only about three episodes in now have you seen it yeah we watched me and cat watched it what did you what are you thinking to it so far i think it's quite interesting so far it keeps i keep thinking oh i need to like read up about this episode so i realize what stephen king characters and stephen kinginisms Kingisms yeah. are actually there, and I'm kind of recognizing a few bits and bobs, but kind of like I don't know. It's good. I like it. I like the atmosphere of it. I like the I like the setting. Hmm. Um, did you like it? Until? I think it. The whole thing should have been more. Well, we're going to talk about Doctor Sleep, but so I felt like Doctor Sleep for me is maybe one of the best adaptations of king's work in the sense that it feels like you're reading a stephen king book like yeah. it really feels like they really nailed all of the elements of a stephen king novel so you you did read dr sleep right no no oh you didn't okay read a lot all right okay, well, that's gonna be interesting. um yeah but, um <laughs> yeah uh but castle rock i felt like it should have been more stephen kingy like they, they took it a lot of stuff from stephen king's universe and and ideas and concepts but none of the stephen king qualities of a story so you, you'll see as you go through it, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it is good, but it doesn't feel, read to me like a Stephen King. I mean, most most TV adaptations maybe go a little bit too close to Stephen King's material, and this is like does the opposite, which is fair enough. But I feel like a show called Castle Rock about celebrating the yeah and exploring the world of Stephen King should have felt a bit more like a Stephen King story. 
Yeah, it's got the lead actress from Evil Dead in it, the Evil Dead remake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jane, Jane, Jane Levy. Um, Levy. 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 Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, and apart from that, I just watched both of the Happy Death Day films. Oh, yeah. Ha- Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. Have you seen them both? I've seen the first one. In the first one, okay. Um, I thought these were like pretty fun. There's some mm. good ideas, like despite the fact you know we've seen Groundhog Day essential stuff done quite a few times. Um, you know, Edge of Tomorrow, things like that. Um, I think the, the lead performance from an actress called Jessica Roth, who yeah. plays an act, who yeah, plays yeah. a character called Tree, short for Teresa, but I was amused by that. I think she kind of carries it because I think without yeah. her, it's a bit of a paper thin plot and concept if that makes sense yeah. but probably the most pg horror film i've seen in a long time yeah because yeah. there's no blood there's no real scares there's not that much tension there's like um like uh what word am i thinking even of even less i mean i keep bringing riverdale on it but that's a good sort of barometer of yep. where people you know teenagers sort of horror levels are um yeah. it's less violent than riverdale like it's less hasn't yeah. got anywhere near as many deaths yeah yeah or, and there's like there's like montages in it which are set to like so in the first film i can't remember what song it's set to but in the second film there's a montage a death montage set to like paramours hard times (laughs) and it's just like it just feels it feels like a teen you know a teen comedy more so than a horror film it's like it's like a teen both of them are like teen comedies Mm. with i don't even want to say horror elements with with death so happy death day to you there's like a different spin on the rules that are set up in the first film um but it feels a bit it feels inconsistent for me like i didn't okay. really i asked more questions about the you know the the logic and the of of yeah. this of this film than i have in a in a long time you know i was really picking it apart like how can that be if if there's this if that makes sense pause in every um, 5 minutes what no oh, hang on hell, this is bloody <laughs> ridiculous drawing diagrams yeah, Jessica, on the wall Jessica Roth, I think, is a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Red strings from where, but Jessica, Jessica Roth is like is great, and I'd yeah. like to see her. I'd like to see her in more things because she, she represents. You know, when you feel frustrated with the film, mm. her her performance comes across like she's frustrated as well, and and yeah. I've kind of felt like I was with her in that sense. But you yeah, know, girl. girl power, yeah, girl power. But you know, the killer and and the, the reasoning behind that didn't quite sit with me as, as well as the rest of the film did if that makes sense yeah yeah so they've literally just gone right we need a killer in this film and he's got a baby mask on so you know he's going to be iconic slam him in there somewhere <laughs> or her oh oh uh yeah, yeah but that's I'm it gonna guess is it the asian friend don't guess don't ruin it for anybody is it the girl from the oh, what do you call it kappa gamma house Whatever they call those things. Sor- House. It yeah. might be. They've done a really good job though of making the second film feel like it follows on m- merely minutes from the from the first film. Oh, you know, even happens. though it was, even if it was made like two day two days two two years two later. Days. Oh yeah. Like it looks exactly the same. Everyone looks exactly the same. Everything looks exactly the same. It's done really well. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I would I would check it out because me and Cat quite enjoyed the first one. So and anything that I can get Cat to watch, we're totally, totally, guys. yeah, yeah, totally harmless. Give it a go. Okay, so is that it? Sorry, anything else you wanted to? That's it, mate. That's it. Divulge. Okay, so Doctor Sleep then um, yes. is out. We both mm-hmm. went to watch it. You got some info on it? 
Yeah, okay. So Doctor Sleep is a 2019 American psychological horror film based on the 2013 novel of the same name by Stephen King, um, which is a sequel to Stephen King's 1977 novel The Shining. The film, following up the 1980 film adaptation of The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick, a bit confusing, could be. Yeah. Uh, years following the events of The Shining, and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Epic. Um, so I asked... Okay, well, well the Rotten Tomatoes are giving it 76%. It's pretty mild. Audience score is 90%. That's nice. Mm. Uh, Critics' consensus is Doctor Sleep forsakes the elemental terror of its predecessor for a more contemplative sequel that balances poignant themes against spine-tingling chills. Um, I asked the guys in the Facebook group, if they'd seen it, because I went to watch it, and there was like no one in the theatre, and I was like, wasn't it out? It came out last week, and it's like dead in here. Um, yeah. Edward Harvey said, I really liked it, no problems with it at all. That's what I like to hear about a film. I didn't have any problems with that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's had shit marketing. Don't know if that's through budget or lack of studio support. No Doctor Sleep themed McDonald's half meals for this one. Nope. <laughs> um, Andy yeah. Conduit Turner, Mr. Spreadsheets himself, says maybe going tonight. Um, he said it hasn't performed too well. So everyone seems to be, they seem to know, there's okay, There's blood in the water, people know there's a bomb on their hands. That's a weird mixed metaphor. Uh, John Connolly <laughs> says, I enjoyed the film, had a few problems with the ending, which we'll get into. Overall, though, a pretty great achievement, uh, considering it's following one of the most beloved horror films ever. Um, and uh, Ryan Chisholm, Chis, Chisholm, sorry. I think it's bombed financially. I was enjoying it, but felt they made too many changes to the end and had some unnecessary scenes. I uh, don't know this books or the book even. Um, I know the Shining book, and I know that they kind of did the ending from that in this mm. one, which is weird because you, you'll have to explain the differences and what what they've done there. But I mean, how yeah. is it for you? you? You're a fan of the book as well. Yeah. So as I think I mentioned before, I got this. I bought Doctor Sleep the novel on release day. Yeah. Got myself down to my local Waterstones. I bought yeah. Doctor Sleep. And that was in 2013, and I read it for the first time this year. Uh, so, it so it took me a little while to get around to it. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think this is one of the best, as I think you've already mentioned, but it's one of the best St- Stephen King book-to-screen adaptations yeah. that, we've ever, that we've ever seen. Because, you know, so many of these adaptations really, really do try and put, like, directors try and put like their own spin on it, remove certain elements of the story, remove yeah. characters... The vibe kind of vanishes. I almost felt like, you know, when you read a book and you obviously visualize it in a certain way and then you see a film and you're like, this is ex- almost exactly how I visualized it. Yeah. And now it's on now it's on screen. Like there's something magic about that. And it almost feels like everything this key to that story is in the film. So I was trying to think think back, like what bits did they remove? And I was a bit like, I don't I can't even think. You mean the ending must be different, right? I mean the ending's different, yeah, but Honestly, that I I was losing, I was losing it a bit when I was reading the ending because yeah. now it, it is different. There is because there is no Overlook Hotel in yeah. in the in the universe of the book. Um, so the ending kind of for me it kind of felt like the ending fizzled out a little bit, and I feel like it almost needed something. Now this ending I wouldn't say is perfect because I feel like it really does lean heavily. It really goes right. We're in we're in um, Stanley Kubrick's Shining World now. Um, here we go. And it does yeah. feel like it feels like what um the director um Mike is it Mike Flanagan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What Mike Flanagan's done is he's done 
the best Stephen King to screen. So he's developed a Stephen King story, brought it to screen, but he's gone. I'm going to direct it like it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Mike Flanagan is a, he's, is a great guy. Like, so he's a big Stephen King fan. I've listened to interviews with him. And he's always talked, like, he, he reads his books on release days and stuff. Uh, he did Gerald's Game, which was a yep. great adaptation. <clears throat> um, he did House of Haunted Hill. Uh, which was a different sort of adaptation. But you always sort of, um, does it just, I think, so, okay, so this film, it's got like the pleasant, magical quality with like some, um, Dan Torrance in the the early parts of the films, um, he's sort of using his sort of magical ability in this little town and we get to introduce all these characters and we build them up. And it's like, oh, this is quite nice and quite magical and there's a lot of little quirks. And then there's some utterly horrific stuff going on absolutely disturbingly brutal which i found quite difficult to watch which um i don't know if you felt the same way the guys i went to see it with were like no nah, it's fine but i was like that was horrendous <laughs> like yeah i mean it it was incredibly brutal and i think like the brutal elements of the novel really did translate well to to the yeah. screen and i feel like I feel, I feel like it was great like it was <clears throat> it sounds silly but it feels like the perfect marriage of stephen king and stanley kubrick where obviously stephen king is famously not that much of a fan of the film he doesn't really like that adaptation um so this feels like he's he's got nods to two absolute greats yeah and he's gone i'm gonna and he hasn't disrespected either of them he's kind of gone like i'm sure yeah stanley cooper might might have something to say about that um were he around but <laughs> but uh, i feel like it's the perfect and the fact when it goes into that shining world when it goes yeah. back to the overlook hotel it doesn't feel like just tacked on to the end it feels like it really does exist in this world and Danny, did, Dan Torrance. I don't know if it was because it was late, but I did kind of feel like going into that third act, so I would like to have sped up a little bit. It, uh, like um, There's a few too many lingering long shots. <clears> like, I understand what you're doing, but there's two hours into the movie. <laughs> I need to yeah, get home. Two and a half soon. hours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, i got to go home. Yeah. I think um, Ewan McGregor's performance is really, really solid, um, as is um, the girl Abra Stone, but I think the highlight of this film is Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, who is a like a really, really great villainous character because she just seems pretty much just like a normal nice lady yeah. until she's murdering children. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think she was good, and I think her sort of back and forth with Abra Stone was really good. Um, Cliff Curtis as well. Nice to see him when he pops up um, in various films. Part of like the. The local townsfolk that sort of build up around Dan, Danny Torrance's life. Yeah. Um, so, and the rest of the true not. I think I, I yeah, think the rest of the true of not. There may yeah. be two, two or three of them that kind of stand out. The rest of them really are sort of in the background. Mm. You really don't get get much from them. But yeah, I was really impressed. Um, so we need to talk about the fact that they most films nowadays de-age people digitally. Like pretty much every film I've watched yep. in the past yep. six months has been had someone de-aged digitally. This film did it quite different, so it was like it would recast people uh, mm-hmm. and then make them up to look like the person they were they were playing. The guy who played Dick Halloran, Carl Lumley. Oh like, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's the same guy, <laughs> surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is he the same guy. The He's not aged. Yeah. Scatman Crothers, who originally played a. Uh... Yeah. So Scatman Crothers passed away in 1986, merely yeah. six years after The Shining. Um. It says a woman, Alex Esso, played Wendy Torrance, played like Shelley Duvall. She had like fake teeth in, I think. And she was doing that kind of milks up performance. That Shelley... She was perfect. I think if you close your eyes, you would have thought that that was Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, the only one that kind of gave me pause was the person doing Jack Nicholson. Um, so that is the dad from um, Born in the Field House, isn't it? Yeah. So, and I only didn't even realize it was supposed to be Jack Nicholson at first until his his voice started to do the the Jack Nicholson voice. Um, but yeah, but other than that, it was quite cool. It's quite initially, interesting. Initially, when I saw this, I was a bit like, "Oh no, he didn't need to go that far with it." But then yeah. after a while, I was a bit like, "Actually, I kind of like it." Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it could have done without it easily, but I think it wasn't totally, totally shit. And it kind of makes sense considering you know he died at the overlook yeah um so it kind of makes sense that it would have it would have claimed him yeah um okay so the film opens in 1980 which is like two or three years after um the first film ended mm-hmm. um and they're in florida uh, danny Torrance is living with um his mum they're trying to get over it all he's still haunted by the ghosts from uh, the Overlook Hotel that followed him. Uh, but through the advice of Dick Halloran, who's just like a ghost guide sort of guy now, he mm-hmm. teaches Danny to use box like mental boxes. Uh, there's, I mean, it's quite well done. I mean, the, the bits with the woman coming out of the bath, I can't remember her name. Like she's in it. Like she gets out of that bath like 20 times in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... Get out of the bath. <laughs> Go on. You're bloody. Yeah. Your skin's red raw. <laughs> but, um, there's a bit where the little Danny boy, Danny boy, <laughs> walks into the bathroom like no longer fearless, and he just suddenly he snaps her up in a, a mental box. Yeah. So <laughs> there are these mental boxes which seem to be inside mental, the, yeah. the 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 hedge maze from the overlook. Um. So yeah, these apparitions that are haunting him, he manages to slam them away in these mental boxes and lock them up in there. And that's his way of that's his way of essentially dealing with what is got to be proper annoying, getting ghosts. Really well annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But at the <clears> same <throat> time, in the same town, I think um, there's a little girl called Violet who has a bit of the shining in her. Uh, like a, I don't I don't know how we know that actually. Oh, she can guess the color of a, a flower yeah. or something. Um, yeah. But she's out for a little wander, a little park, and she stumbles across like this woman. Wearing a hat, are they supposed to be like gypsies? Is that kind of the? Well, they're kind of like um, gypsies, tra- tra- gypsies, tramps and feet, <laughs> travelers. Um, yeah. Sort of this, they're like a cult, really, aren't they? A cult, but I guess the reason they're like gypsies or travelers because they need need to keep moving around because yeah. they're killing children in various towns, so yeah. they can't hang about, I guess, because they get they get caught. The gang is called the True Knots. Um, yeah. and the woman is called Rose the Hat, which is weird. Uh, but there's, so, really, there's I guess, people. Go on, sorry. So they're like vampires, but they instead of sucking blood, they suck shining essence out of people. So fear and pain apparently um, purifies the shining essence, which they call steam. Yeah, that's a very Stephen um, King thing. Like the yeah. purifying or the flavouring of the meat. Yeah, he loves all that, doesn't he? Um, yeah. as much torture as possible to inflict on children, it would seem. Stephen King, nice one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so as Violet's been talked to by Rose the Hat, the rest of the true not kind of like gather around. They just seem to appear out of nowhere, like all of a sudden, just yeah. meerkats or something. And some of them look strange. Like there's obviously the giant guy, the granddad. What's his yeah. name? Like, um, who was the giant from uh, Twin Peaks? 
Yeah. Um, and a crow daddy who's like a cool sort of um, kind of Mexican dude. And the, but the rest of them just look like normal people. And so it's yeah. just like some normal dude who works down a local calf. There's a uh, hippie guy. He's played a hippie in something before. <laughs> All um, right, okay. There's, there's like a guy who just looks like he's a secret agent. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> well, he, he was a secret agent. Yeah, um, he was. We'll find out his backstory, but that's kind of the point. Um, so it's a different book. The uh, the way they, they leap on this girl, um, yeah, is, is is pretty terrifying. Before the yeah. film, this is like the opening shots of the film. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um... So then they grab the girl and we cut like uh, 30 years into the future. Uh, 2011. Is that when the book came out? No, the book came out in 2013. So Why 2011? It's weird. Yeah. Very specific. Um, so Danny, who now goes by the name of Dan. Oh, whoa, man. Hey, it's not Danny anymore, okay? It's Dan. <laughs> I've done some growing up. Hey, Danny. Who? Oh. <laughs> Dan. Um, so uh, he's like a shell of his former self now. He drinks. He yep. takes drugs, I think. Steals money um, from pregnant ladies. Uh, is she pregnant or has she just got a kid? Oh, got a kid. But who knows? Probably. Same, same thing. <laughs> uh, steals money. But yeah, he kind of. So he's a bit of a. He's a bit of a shit ass, isn't he? Yeah. But he drinks to suppress his like shining ability mm. because, you know. It's just to drown out the noise, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems to move on pretty quick. Uh, we do get uh, flashes of imagery of the shining bits. That, again, there's a music sting that comes in. Um, but yep. so far, it's it's kind of its own thing. Uh, what happens? He gets on a bus and then he... Yeah, he gets on a bus. He goes to like a small town. Uh, I can't remember what the town's called. But basically, as soon as he gets off there, he befriends um, a guy called Billy Freeman. Yeah. Um, who seems to like see something of himself in him? Like uh, we get to understand, you know, he's, he's probably been in this... shining as well or something. Like he's got a bit of a shine. No, shiny forehead. I don't know if we're <laughs> shiny. Yeah. He's got a shiny forehead. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this is Cliff Curtis with cornrows, which yeah. uh, which I quite liked. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he gets him a job, basically the job that he kind of works at this like little tiny railway. Is it called the Teeny Town yeah. Railway or something yeah. that goes around the sort of center of this town? Um, and he gets him a job at like a hospice. Um, and basically becomes his AA sponsor, takes him to the AA meetings and says, look, mate, yeah. you got to kick the sauce. You can't be drinking all this shit on the job. It's nice. I mean, he, it's it's just a pleasant like group of scenes. It's like seeing him recover. Um, he's got like this blackboard on the end of his bedroom for some reason for the person who lived there before. And the, and the uh, landlady writes the rent on the wall. It's, it's like nice little funny little scenes. I really did actually really like the scenes of him being the orderly. There's a little cat. Do we try and swear? Oh, read a thing about a cat who does this, who who yep. goes and sleeps on lies on the bed of the person who's about to die. And they call him Azzy. Um It's a yep. cute little cat as well. A really sweet little thing. Um, and then he then he kind of takes on his role. Well, he gets the name Doctor Sleep because he helps people pass over to 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 death to die. Uh, so I guess the cat's got a bit of the shining in it as well. Um, which did make me very yeah. worried for it at the time. I was like, "Oh shit, I hope that cat doesn't yeah. get eaten." Um, so what does not... he do? He kind of, he kind of like um, just people who are scared, you know, of passing over. He kind of like talks to them, but he also does a little bit of a shining trick where he sort of says, "Relax, right. everything's yeah. going to be all right," and yeah, and it does sort of help people. There's a bit yeah. uh, where the guy's like, "I can taste blueberries." You remember certain points, says, and then he says, "Yeah, I can taste them too," and then he starts to remember memories from the other guys. From the dying man's memories, so he starts singing a song that was on the radio from this guy's memories. It's just really sweet. It's just kind of lovely, um, and that's what it means. So Stephen yeah. King books, this they they act, they can be nice, like in the opening bits. There's a we've already got like a bit of a character arc already of him. Um, yeah, and this is within the first. Sort of, yeah, exactly. First thirty minutes or so, we already we yeah. already we already know enough about him. The fact that we've already spent a lot of time with him in The Shining as well. Yeah, you know, so we under so we know what he was like as a kid. And we know what he's gone through, and so we understand his plight. And now the fact that we see him coming out the other end of it is almost yeah. like you, know, you feel, thank God, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, there is before the eight-year jump, the vampire people are following a girl who calls herself Snakebite or something. Um, she's got the shining, uh, but she uses it to sort of learn men and steal their money and, and leaves like little uh, fang marks on the face. Uh, yeah. the, the vampires take her, but um, they kind of like her because she's kind of evil. They're like, oh, I like your style, kid. You've got talent. I like raw. your style. And she, she can yeah. like um, telepathically control people the, as well. So Yeah, pusher, I think they call them. Which I yeah. think is a Stephen Kingism as well. Uh, and there's a couple of pushers. Um, so they wait, wait so one thing uh rose the hat has these little jars that look like they're kind of like futuristic alien technology jars they look like the predator should yeah. have them on a ship what what is it yeah. to detail in the book in the books um i'm not sure if it does really it's just these canisters that store the steam isn't it i guess i'm not sure where she got them from or it's on my asda <laughs> maybe they do no, they don't sell them at Asda, mate, but they do sell them at Tesco. You've got to shop yeah. around, all right? Yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, around about this time as well, we, we get a little bit of Abra Stone, um, who's a little girl. She's celebrating, like, her something birthday, six. Um, birthday, and we, so. kind of, yeah. we kind of see that she's pretty – she's got the shining, but she's pretty hardcore. Yeah. 
yeah. she's making a load of a load of cutlery stick to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, and she. Yeah. And he does he also does he begin receiving communications from her? But he just sees hi, how or hello written on. He starts writing notes uh, on mm. her piece of paper, and they start appearing on Danny's black, white a uh, blackboard of a wall. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I think I, I, yeah. I think she did it. She did it. She starts doing it when she's really young, though, like just yeah. a hi and a hello, and this is, yeah. So basically, it's like a message board, but for people with shining the shining. Yeah, yeah. you behave yourself, Daddy Torrance. <laughs> I don't want to see you try to mug anyone off. Yeah, uh, and then it's it's all nice from from this point on. Um, it doesn't doesn't get evil at all. Um, I mean, eight years later, it's Danny shaves his beard. Um, and he's it's like a pillarless community by that point. Yep. Abra is doing her own thing. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is the brutal bit, I think. Here, when the vampires steal uh, a kid who's good at baseball, you can like sense where the yeah. ball is going to come. This is from, after so. the eight. This is after the eight year jump, and it is after yeah eight years have passed, and D- Danny's still sober, and he gets his sort of like eight year thing. Yeah. Token yeah. coin. Uh, yeah, so the true not, so the true not, are, we understand the true not are pretty star, are like starving at this point. They haven't had a lot, a lot of shining lately, a lot of steam, yeah. and it seems like they're taking more and more risks. To yeah, we're made to think, but yeah, this is pretty brutal. So, uh, so, so, it's, so it's Jacob Tremblay who plays this kid. He's the kid from the Dark Tower movie, right? He's in other stuff. So I feel like we've got kind of a. Is he the kid from the Dark? I've seen him in. Isn't he in like? Uh, what's he in? He, I thought I was gonna say he was in um. Uh, he's in Room, isn't he? So the Oscar, so that was his uh, big break, I one. think. Yeah. When he's in Room, but um, he is in Predators. Oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. not Predators. The Predator. Yeah. I don't think he is in the Dark Tower movie, you know. Before I wake, which is another Mike Flanagan film. Yeah. He's the boy from Wonder. Boy from Wonder, yeah. I don't think he is in the Dark Tower. Who's the kid I think from the Dark he... Tower? Um, don't know. Someone else. Um, but yeah, I think he's too young. I think he's a bit older, the kid in the Dark Tower. Uh, okay. The kid in the Dark Tower is Tom Taylor. Okay. Plays Jake. Does it look like who's, him? Uh, not really, just okay. another kid. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, they steal this kid. Um, yep. They take him back to the little camp. They pin him down with these iron spikes. And well, that... they, on. they don't take him back to the camp. They um, they just take him to this like abandoned area, right. which is yeah. like because um, this is how Abra manages to. Well, it, well, actually, maybe it is where the camp is. They're all sort of parked up there, and it's abandoned yeah. sort of mill or something like that, which is how Abra manages to track him down because she remembers what she sees in her head, like some signs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. Why is this so brutal? I mean, it's because he's this little scared boy, and there's a group of adults all around him. Uh, and I find yeah. like, okay, it's not going to be so bad because the film hasn't been so bad so far. It's been, it's been all right. It's not been too brutal or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Then he says that they have to make it painful or something, and then he just starts stabbing it. Yeah. And it, I don't know, yeah. like, like the, seeing the fear in the boy's face, seeing the blood mm-hmm. like spatter against his chin. I don't. Know, I find that. Kind of, I don't know. It was hardcore. That was. It was hardcore. I was pretty shocked by this. Um, I think it was more shocking even so than in the book, obviously, because 
you know, hearing a little boy's murder described, there's a lot different to sort of seeing it like this and everyone sort of gathered around him and the way they sort of like suck the steam out of him, they're all gathered around like hungry, yeah, horrible, it's, it's disgusting. Gross, yeah. And like when he's, when he's all dead, they're like, they get their last little bits out of him like he's uh, like a carcass or something. He's sort Ketchup of, bottle. Yeah, <laughs> tapping it to get the, the last couple of spurts out. Run him under the tap. Yeah. I don't know, he just uh, seems pretty harsh to me. But, but Abra, but I was going to say, this this being so harsh made the comeuppance elements feel really fucking good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Abra sees uh, the whole thing, right? She's shining all over the shop. She's shining all over the shop and she's like pro- projecting herself there while it's happening. So she obviously has been drawn to it from wherever. I think we're told we're made out it's like 1,500 miles away or something like that, aren't we? Yeah. It's like quite a way away. But Rose sort of set, sort of sees her there at one point. She senses her. So I guess we're made to think Abra's super, super strong. Rose is like, Rose the Hat is kind of like on the, maybe on a level as strength as her. Like she's never seen anyone as strong as Abra before. Yeah. And then of course, because of that, they're even more starving and they're like, right, we're going to have to go after her because she's like the strongest I've ever, ever known. And yeah. she basically tells Crow Daddy, who is the sort of other sort yeah. of like yeah. co-leader of the True Knot, that he needs to go and find her, draw her out. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bit not long after that where Rose like astral projects herself into Abra's mind. I wasn't expecting something quite so visually sort of unusual yeah. but it, it's pretty cool yeah so Ro, uh, sorry Abra manages to like lay a trap for Rose so obviously she understands that she's being hunted essentially by her um, even though I guess she doesn't fully understand what it is but you know she's pretty good with the old with the yeah. old shine isn't she so Rose comes into what we think is her bedroom. She floats all the way across, basically, like ha- astral projects herself across all these hundreds of miles. Yeah. Gets into her head, goes into her house, sorry. Um, starts going through these drawers, and suddenly the drawer slams on her hand. Yeah. And there's a really creepy version of Abra, who's like got no eyes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And pink hair. Who's like, pink hair. Yeah, yeah was, so she's disguised. I, I don't know, like she's disguised herself in some way so that Rose doesn't know what uh, she looks okay. like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so the trap she sets for her is when Rose realizes how strong Abra really is. There's a horrible bit, obviously, where Rose pulls her hand out of the drawer, and there's like a, almost like a degloving, like in Gerald's yeah. game, isn't there? Yeah. Where she tears all the skin off her hand. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. And, but like that bit, like uh, being that that's come up just after the brutal bit of you know you get like the comeuppance tingles you're like yeah oh kid yeah that's right take yeah. it again that's why i think like rosa hat is such a is such a good character because she she does seem pretty normal but then she commits these really really horrific acts you yeah know, with really you no know. um just before this as well i think abra set up a visit for well no she goes and visits dan she travels on the bus goes to where to dan's town and basically meets him, and they they obviously have exchange information about having the shine in. But then yeah. she explains about the true knot and what she saw with the baseball boy who was the kid that was murdered. Um, but Dan basically says you should stay out of it, stay away from it, avoid drawing attention to yourself because if they're as strong as you think they are, they're gonna come and they're gonna murder you. Yeah, yeah. Danny's still a bit bit scared, a bit scared little kid, really. Yep. Don't want to get involved, does he? Yeah. But Abra, I don't know. Maybe the dream bit's after that because Abra. Yeah, I think the dream bit is just yeah. after that. Yeah. 
Okay, so let me get it straight here. Um, the nut are going after Abra. Because yeah, no so Rose, Rose basically sends a nut after Abra because um, she doesn't go because I think she, A, she's injured and B, she, I don't think she wants to warn them or draw any attention to herself, I guess. Yeah. Um, Danny speaks to, oh, you said that Azzy the cat goes into an empty room and he's like, there's no dead people in there, there's no people going to die and then he finds the spirit of Dick Halloran in there. Yeah. And he's kind of like telling uh, Danny that he needs to be the Dick Halloran in this, be the Dick in this relationship be with Abra. Yeah. Um, uh, be, the, be the Dick. Go on, Danny. You can do it. Um, so Danny and his friend who yep, lives downstairs, Billy. Billy, they go to the place where they killed the baseball boy following Abra's advice. Um, mm-hmm. and then they get the glove and they find out all about it. I think they find out where the others are and like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's pretty horrible when they, when they start digging up, um, the baseball boy's body yeah. because Billy tells a story about how he used to hunt deer and that they had, he was hunting this particular deer and he, he injured it and then he caught up to it and it was dead. And he said it was the same smell as this. You can smell death. It's pretty horrible because I think. If you exhume yeah. this body where you've just been told by a psychic that it's there, as you report that to the police or explain it, yeah, I but, found this body. Uh, I knew it was there because the psychic told me, and they'd be like, "Get here, you nonce! Get in the back exactly of the car!" Yeah. Um. So now they know uh, the 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 crew not coming. They set a plan. Um. It's cool a little bit actually. When the vampires die, the the, the effects are quite cool. Uh. We see the grand the granddad die. Do we have where the granddad of the true not the big tall guy from Twin Peaks he dies, and he said I'm scared. And then Rose is like, "You're not scared. You were, you lived in Roman times. You did. Is that in the book as well? Does it go into any of that detail? I can't remember much of that, but I'm sure it is. But yeah, she basically just makes out that he's been around for hundreds of years and he's yeah. done this, done that, and he shouldn't be scared because he's basically big, scary, horrible bastard. But when he's dying, he kind of going translucent. When he's breathing and then coming back into it and translucent again, and they yeah, look it's like, pretty good. Um, you know, when someone blows like a vape smoke into a bubble, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you were thinking. Well, he, when he was dying, you go, "He looks like a bloody vape bubble. He looks like a vape smoke in a bubble, like into a fairy liquid yeah. bubble." And then it like pops at the end. And now he's... we know what you do with your sp- <laughs> your spare time. You're like, "I got all evening tonight. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna vape." I'm going to vape the shit out of some bubbles. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so we're kind of coming towards, it feels like we're coming towards a natural end, but we're not. There's still another act yet. Um, so Abra is meditating in the middle of the woods and the others, the, the true nuts start to surround her. But then when the snake bite lady, who they turned early, who's now full on evil, goes to inject Abra with some juice, jumbo juice, Jungle juice. Um, Realised it was just a teddy bear this whole time. She's mm-hmm. still back at home eating a bowl of cornflakes or whatever. And then Danny and oh my god, what's his name? Billy shoot the shit out of <laughs> out of all of the vampire people. Yeah. So there's a bit here where you're like, obviously you understand that yes, um, Billy obviously used to hunt, so he's probably pretty good with a gun. And then Danny gets so good with a gun. And do you not feel it feels a bit silly that all of True Not have got like guns? 
you think maybe like one or two of them might, but they've all got guns, and it's like we yeah, get a been full... around for a long time. They must have collected some weaponry over the years. Yeah, I guess so. It just feels like a, a kind of a, a kind of a bit over the top, ridiculous shootout. Shoot out. <laughs> it was a bit of a cowboy shootout. It was um, a, yeah, it was a cowboy shootout. Um, and obviously, right at the end, right at the death, when um, Danny's trying to kill Snakebite, he sort of shoots her. She collapses. Um, but just before dying, she telepathically tells Billy. Well, she just tells Billy to kill himself. Yeah. And obviously, because she's pretty good at the old pushing, he t- he just he shoots himself. Yeah. And uh, no sooner do we get that reveal, um, do we also find Abra's dad gets Abracadabra. Abracadabra Yeah, he's been killed by the crow because the crow snuck around into the house. He knew where she was going to be. He knows she likes cornflakes and where she likes to eat them. And then he sneaks in there. He shoots her, shoots her up with some jungle juice. So it kind of. It um, dampens her shine, so she can't call out to Danny. Um, Dan, sorry, sorry, Dan. Yeah, uh, and then sorry, he, Dan. He shoves her in the boot, drives back towards Rose, and he's like, "You're fucked, mate. You're fucked. You're asleep. You can't hear me right now. But when you wake yeah. up, I'm going to tell you you're fucked." Uh, so Danny is going to drink again. Dan, sorry, Jesus Christ. Dan is going to drink again because he's failed completely. There's no, yeah, he can't get in touch with uh, Abra. The dad's dead. His mate's dead. It's all gone yeah. to shit. I mean, it's, it takes a pretty dark turn, you know, at this point, where you think, oh, it's pretty hopeless now. Yeah. Um, he get he goes and buys a bottle of uh, Lambrini, goes back to his house, and he's <laughs> going to drink it, but he's like, oh, I can't do it! <laughs> smashes it. Yeah. Uh, it was good. So There's a weird little bit. So We all know that Danny's got the shining. We got the impression that when he was a kid in the first film that he, he, was, pretty, he was a pretty powerful shiner. So Dick yeah. said... You're a pretty powerful shiner, or something yep. like that. Um, and then, um, so Danny said he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. He, I don't know, he does actually. He shines, finds her, but then possesses her body. Yeah, and he manages to like through her they use his chain. power. Yeah, to force Crow Daddy to basically crash the car, which yeah. kills Crow Daddy because he didn't have his belly seatbelt on. Idiot. No, no. Think if you've been around all these years, you're like, I, I know, I know, I'm basically immortal, but at the same time, safety first. Safety first. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've been around, like, if you've been around for like 200 years or whatever, surely you're like, I can't slip up. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, yeah. I've got a streak going now. I've been alive for so long. I've got to really pay attention because like, or he's just got really cocky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he get, he shoots out the thing. He di- and Abra's like, I hope you I hope that's really painful for you, mate. And he's like, it is. <laughs> and he's like, Dying. bloody hurts me, mate. It bloody kills. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now Rose is like on her own, and she's like a woman scorned, and she's she oh opens my up God. her cans of Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Monster. you would be fuming. You would yeah. be fuming, even even if she's evil. Yeah. Everyone she she's basically she, like, vapes all the things up. <laughs> Everyone she's ever known. Like and been sort of in this true knot with for mm. years and years. God knows how many years. Are just dead, like in one afternoon, including yeah. her sugar daddy, crow daddy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty mental when you think about it. Um. Yeah. So she's fuming. She gets all the cans of steam and just sucks them up greedy. She don't think I'll save some for tomorrow when I might be needing needing a, a, a little a top up. Nope. 
you get, you get yes. the impression that this is going to make her more powerful, right? So then yeah. we, the, the last half an hour of the film is like we've been t- we've been hinting at the Shining. Now we're going fully into Shining Land. So uh, sit back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like right. Is that over. the end? Is that <laughs> the end? Is it? Oh, he saved her. Right, get back, get up, get up. Oh, it's good. bloody still going. And it's like this is something I kind of felt like because I know what it's doing. It has the shots of them driving through the. Um, the mountains and the music's playing is slow, like the intro to the yeah, Shining. Same angle, the, the intro where like, it goes across the water. We didn't need all of that, just like a little bit of it. No, it... I liked it, man. I liked it. Like okay. at this point, I felt like it was earned. Okay. Earned. Yeah. Earned. 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 It was earned. <laughs> I felt like it had earned this moment now. So I yeah. feel like if it had gone straight in there with the Shining from the word go, I maybe would have been a bit like, come on, what are you playing at? Yeah. It felt earned at this point. It felt like, right, okay, we've we've been with these characters for two hours. Yeah. Now we're getting some Shining stuff. And I feel like it was re- a reward to the audience for, you know, I was going to say sticking with it, but it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't bad. It was a great story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I liked it. I was I was hyped at this point. I was getting goosebumps. Yeah, I was I was really enjoying it. I mean, um, to get to the Overlook Hotel, it's all boarded up and it's all like off. He said, "I need to go in and wake it up." He starts walking through, and it's just it's almost like Mike Flanagan is just enjoying slowly presenting, living in that world of the Shining because it it looks really fucking good. Like it's like a theme park ride where you yeah. walk in, lights sort of come on, and various things are shown. And it like it, the reason it felt like a theme park ride because it was like all the greatest hits of The Shining were being yeah. presented. Yeah. It slowly. Here's this area. Here's that area. Here's that ghost. Here's this ghost. Here's room two three seven. Yeah. Um, which I kind of like. I mean, even when you do go to like Universal Studios, you're always looking at the set design and places like bloody hell, that looks real. That does. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> Uh, it's the same. That's same bloody thing. real, eh? <laughs> um, so uh, there's even a bit where he, he goes to the room where um, uh, Jack Torrance was trying to um, smashes smashes way through the thing. He even puts yeah. his head through the axe gap guess, in the yeah. door. And which he goes, just... "Here's Johnny." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But <There he> <laughs> well, we we do get a, a quick <laughs> little flashback to that, don't we? Where um, we see That's Wendy. That's like maybe the only jump scare in the film. <laughs> I think there's yeah. a bit around there. I don't think it was that bit. There's a bit around there where a light turns on or something. And me, a few of us, you know, what was left of us in the in the crowd were like, oh, the only bit hey. like Friday Night film. We're like, oh, that got us, that light. Yeah, but there's a little flashback to when Jack was, um, when he was acting his way through the door. And I thought that was as much as what we were going to get of yeah. Jack Lawrence at that point. I thought, right. I kept thinking, oh, yeah, that's just yeah. good. Because we see Shelley Duvall, I'm um, sorry, went the, Woman playing Shelley Duvall, essentially playing when play, playing Shelley Duvall playing Wendy Torrance, uh, yeah. sort of screaming with the knife. So I mean that's a nice iconic yeah. moment. So um, yeah, so basically it is like a greatest hits of the shine in this bit as he's walking around it is where he's trying to wake up wake up the overlooker. I see. I really liked the bit, although I was a bit taken aback at first. He goes to the bar and he gets served by Lloyd the bartender. Um. And at first, he's just like, I'm just like the bartender. And we don't see him face on. So it's like, you'd be like, who is that supposed to be? And then his voice starts to slowly turn into Jack Nicholson's voice. Yeah. And he starts to, he talks about the thing as if it's medicine. I think it's a similar line. And um, he tries to get um, Danny to drink it, but he refuses. I think that's kind of an emotionally perfect um, point for Danny to, that's him facing his. It's him facing everything, yeah. yeah it's him yeah. facing his alcoholism. It's him facing everything about the Overlook and his shining and his dad 
all in one go. Yeah. In the place where his dad tried to kill him and his mum. So it's, it's pretty perfect that moment. Yeah. yeah. So we were made to understand the reason Danny's come back is sorry, Dan, dead naming him again. Um, is because he thinks that this is the only place where it's just as dangerous for Rose as it is for him and Abra, yeah. and he almost feels like because he's been there before and he experienced it, he can he can he's got like a bit of a one up on her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And she arrives. Abra kind of calls to to Dan and says, "She's coming. She's here." Mm. And they sort of set themselves up for a final final showdown, really, don't they? Where they're in the sort of the main. Is it? It's not the main foyer where the main living area, where obviously Jack was trying to write his his book. Where he was bouncing that ball that time, yeah. Yeah. Um. But okay, so they lure her into Dan's mind, which is the maze outside, like a mm-hmm. uh, version of it. Abra's taunting her. They're trying to get her into one of those boxes that Jack that Dan has been putting all those ghosts in. Throughout his life, yep. but she's too strong at this point. I think she just kicks her way out. Um, just goes no. <laughs> um, Get in the bloody box. No, no. Uh, but uh, Dan's got the got the axe. He's got the something the same one, but he's got an axe. He's got an axe. Or axe. Yeah. Um, and he swings it into her shoulder. She reverses it somehow, even though it's in her shoulder slips out of the way or something and then shoves it into his femoral artery. She rips that out like it's a USB cable. Pops that out. <laughs> and then yeah, throws him down the stairs. Yeah, she's a, just unplugs him. He's off now. Uh he's offline. Um and then I mean maybe this is what John Connolly, um John Quinn and John Connolly, whatever you want to go by in this show. Um what he was mentioning <laughs> about the early death because she dies like quite quickly here. He, she's like absorbing him. She's pumping the blood out of his leg and sucking the steam out. Sucking the steam out of his area, yeah. orifice, area. And like, uh, that, I don't know how he does this, but he gets all the ghosts to gang up on her. Yeah, <laughs> like, he basically lets them all out of the box. Um, and they're they're obviously starving. These ghosts, they haven't had any attention for yeah. decades. <laughs> they're like, we had anyone to scare. We love scaring people. It's quality. Hey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they all surround Rose and basically just kill her, right? Yeah, they like thread the fingers into her face, and yeah. I think they're they're kind of like the same thing. The house, the Overlook Hotel, is a energy vampire in the same way they are. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, who knows how that works, but yeah. it does. Um, so then, um, oh, then is then there's the ending from the original Shining in the book, yeah, <laughs> with the boiler. Um, where it's it's about to go off, and um, I don't know why he did that. If um, his plan was to use the ghosts to get her, maybe it was like a backup plan to blow up. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it was. You know, if if that didn't work, then you know, here we go, boom, boom. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he basically uses the boiler to destroy the Overlook Hotel. Abra escapes. She watches helplessly as the hotel burns down. Danny sees a vision of himself as a kid with his mum. Right. Yeah. But really, that's another king is my thing. Is the sort of the plan? The characters make a plan to get the thing back at the end, um, and it's sort of it's a slow build up to that that plan and the reveal of what they're going to do. Um, but yeah, that is a really nice shot that you mentioned with Shelley Duvall and Danny Torrance as a kid. Yeah, blowing up. I liked it. 
Um, and as I said, I think in the book, the ending was kind of like, because there's no Overlook Hotel, I think they end up on the grounds of where it, where it was, if I remember right. Uh, okay. I, might be, I might be getting that totally wrong. But I did kind of feel a bit like, by the time it came to the ending, and we get this sort of, we get the sort of gunfight with the true knot. I yeah. kind of felt like, right, that was that was that. But then I feel like the end in the book kind of fizzled out a bit for me. Whereas this felt like a real exclamation point on the whole story. Yeah. Um, which was good. As I said, I feel like it was a really good combination of both. And by the time we see, you know, um, this new version of Jack Nicholson stalking Abra, chasing after her around the Shine yeah. Hotel. I was I was I was fully in by that point. I was like, yeah, this is cool. It does feel like a theme park ride version of The Shining. I feel like all this at the end, yeah. even when like all the blood gets off the, the lift, <laughs> and yeah. Rose sees that, she kind of just smiles like, oh, that's strange. Yeah, wait a minute. Oh, the blood getting off. <laughs> Why is that blood in slow motion? But I'm like in normal motion. What's yeah. all that about? It does feel like again, it feels like a theme park ride. It feels like greatest hits of The Shining, but at the same time, I was kind of into it. Uh, so cut to a little bit later. Dan's dead. Yep. But he's now he's now the Halloran type ghost for Abra, the guiding yep. light. Um, and some of the ghosts from the Overlook Hotel are now coming to her, but she boxes them up in the way same yep. way that Dan did. So it's a nice yep. little ending. Um, I've got some mm. trivia for you. Okay. Number one, the name game. You know how the oh, name game works. I do like the name game. It's been a while since we've done that. So, Doctor Sleep is the naming convention. Doctor Sleep. Uh, this film that I'm talking about, though, is Danny Torrance pulls into an Asda car park. He's in a hurry to pick up some gravy granules for his Sunday roast. <laughs> Only when he returns to the car park, he finds he's accidentally parked in front of a 4x4. Danny Torrance in... Doctor <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Jeep? Block to Jeep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Number two. Danny Torrance was born with a special gift, a gift that meant he could play he could play heavy rock music to any animal and it would blow their minds. When he meets a little girl whose pet sheep are bored of life, Danny Torrance decides rock to... to... Sh- <laughs> rock, rock to sheep. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah! yeah. Uh, I had to interrupt. <laughs> I would have never got it. When Danny Torrance decides to take up from... Take up being a peeping Tom to spy on the local vampires. He accidentally spies on another peeping Tom. Hey, he says, I'm the peeping Tom. The peeping Tom is shocked. Shocked to peep. <laughs> Mine's shocked to creep. But, um... <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, I did have a couple of like normal trivia questions, but you blew the lid off this one earlier in the, in the episode. Jack Torrance is played by Henry Thomas. Who else did Henry Thomas play? Uh, looking at another Mike Flanagan fling. Uh, fling another so, Mike Flanagan thing. So if I remember right, he played two Mike Flanaganisms, right? He played the dad in Haunting of Hill House, the younger version of the dad, and he also played the pedo dad in Gerald's game. He did, yeah. Um, I actually thought I was talking about Haunting of Hill House, but you're right. I forgot about the pedo the dad. The pedo dad, didn't he? Now, I said it was him, and the person I went to see... Uh, Doctor Sleep with they were like nah, nah ain't, and they were and they were like nah definitely ain't, and I was like it is, and they were like it ain't because they they looked really made up and stuff. And when it was, it was like oh was it? Like (laughs) no, you admit you're wrong, please. You just you say oh I'm totally 
completely wrong. Sorry, I, no, it ain't. Uh, they just, they just oh, went. All oh, right, okay, oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were hurting inside. There yeah. you go. Was taking a punch. One nil to me. One nil. One and nothing. Okay, and uh, also number five. And who else did Henry Thomas play? Pointing this time to a Spielberg thing. What in a different film? You mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a Spielberg thing. Mm-hmm. You have to give me a hint. Uh, his name starts. Oh wait, with... I know. He played bloody the. He played Elliot and ET. That's right, and Elliot Terrestrial. He played ET. <laughs> Elliot Terrestrial. <laughs> he's had a bit of a resurgence, right? Because well, it's been years, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I think I think he's been I think he's been doing stuff. It's just like yeah, he's been doing stuff, but just nothing. These are like not in, not in front of cameras. I mean. Oh yeah, he's been doing a few things. He got, got had to do a local shop. Uh, he donated blood one week. Um, <laughs> done up the garage. Probably doing done at the garage. He's buying a Christmas tree as we speak. Okay, a bit early. Um, that's what it's like, though, isn't it? Uh, okay, so five out of five. Well done. Oh, now you need to rate the film. Are you oh. going to give it a five out of five, or are you going to stick to the um, normal convention and give it a grade? I'm going to give it a grade. I'm not going to okay. mess up the convention right. 115 episodes into this podcast. I just couldn't do that. Um, consistency is key. Uh, so I've been thinking about this. I've kind of... Talking about gravy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Long and hard about it. And, you know, it might be one of my favourite Stephen King adaptations because mm. I love Stephen King. I love The Shining. This felt like a really nice marriage of the two. Um, it could have gone terribly, terribly wrong, I think, because, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying yeah. to pay homage to... King and Kubrick in the same film without stepping on either of their toes. King Brick. King Brick. King Brick or Kubring. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think I'd give it an A minus. Steve Lee. Steve Lee Kubring. <laughs> yeah, Steve Lee. <laughs> Mr. Steve Lee! What did you say? An A minus? I said A. You weren't, li- you weren't even listening. <laughs> I, was, I was putting yeah. words together. A minus. Wow. Correct. Ooh, I, um, I was going to go for a B plus, but I think. Because, you know, I watched it a little bit like I watched it about a week before you. So I've had a little bit more time with it to kind of think about it. And I think it really is good. It really is good. It really is great. Interesting. I can't wait to watch it again. This film, I mean, you're right. It could have been a shit show. It could not have been any better, really. Like, he could not have played it in any other way to keep everyone sort of happy. Like, he, he, Mm. he even got Stephen King on board. Who hates the the Shining original movie? He, um... To be fair though, Stephen King, um, as 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 Mike Flanagan's already directed Gerald's Game. Yeah, I feel like Stephen King's like He's I can't slate him now. Yeah, yeah, I can't slate him yeah. now. Um, but he, I don't know. He's played it really, really perfectly, like pitch perfect, really. Uh, like I said, I think it feels a little bit long in places towards the end, but but it was late and I was very tired, so it could have been could have been that. Um, but. I'm going to give it a B, a B plus at the minute. Maybe it'll go up to an A minus next week. Who knows? But I'm, I'm generally surprised. I think this might be one of my favourite films this year. Favourite horror yeah, movies yeah. this year. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, I think it's solidly in my top five of the year. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. Uh, well, what else is in your top five of the year? Just, just... <laughs> I don't know. Let's have a quick look at some of my starred ones. Um, Happy Death Day Joker. Yeah. I think top five for me, uh, Joker. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lords of Chaos was pretty banging. The Norwegian, that. the Norwegian death metal. A dog's journey. Thing. The one with a dog's, <laughs> dog's journey was up there. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not sure what else. Maybe this is maybe this is number five, number four, or something else. Um, what else? Midsummer. Yeah. Is 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 around there? Book Smart was good comedy. Um, looking through my list here. I've got, you know I've got what? I didn't somewhere. go to that many new films until fairly recently, apart from the ones that we we talked about. Um, got a lot of yeah. stuff from from like not this year, but yeah. So this is up there. Climax yeah, is probably up there as well. That three. weird. It's a uh, good. One. Oh yeah, I've not seen that yet. Maybe maybe one day. <laughs> uh, what are we doing next week? Oh, good question. I don't think we've officially decided, so it'll be a surprise for the listeners. I've got a couple of ideas. Okay. I'll run them by you before we uh, fully commit to anything. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, guys, you should go and uh, get a Horror Hangout t-shirt uh, because we are selling them. Yeah. Okay, so this show is brought to you uh, by Hawkeye. <laughs> where? Hawk, but where? But where? But <laughs> where? Top shop. As there, uh, or <laughs> you can go to hawkandcleaver.com and click on the little shop button, and then click the little buy button, and then it'd be too late. You'd be bought in it, but you were bought in it by then. You would have bought in it. I need to bought in one as well. <laughs> yeah, I need to bought in one. Um, yeah. Okay, this show is brought to you by Hawk and Cleaver. Head over to hawkandcleaver.com and grab a t-shirt. Become a patron over patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. Thanks to Cobra Cameron for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Thanks to the listeners. By the way, Ben, uh, I didn't tell you, we're nearing 50,000 downloads of Horror Hangout. Wow, that's quite a that's quite a nice quite an achievement. What are we going to do to celebrate? I don't know. Uh, smile, smile and nod. Should be down Bristol way end of this month. So maybe we should do something then. Really? I think so, yeah. Ben, why you told me this? I did what tell for? you ages ago. For some work thing. 25th to the 29th, I think. Yeah, 25th to the 29th. Get in my... I was going to say bed then. But get in my Bristol. Get in my Bristol. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll hang out. We'll, we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do a high five. I'll drive past you while you're on the street and high five you. And that's all I'll see go you fuck. for the entire week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so people go to the Facebook group. It's cool. There's going to be more people there um, recently. A lot of activity. Uh, it's nice to see people yeah. there talking about stuff. Uh, Talk about the horror films and shite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to Makaros Ben for being right, dude. Thank you very much, Luke. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Looking a bit. Bye. See you soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.